Welcome to Tales from the Mooseiverse. We're glad to have you here. My name is Ian. Montgomery the Moose used magic to reverse the chocolate invasion, but in doing so, he removed all trace of chocolate from Earth's history. Distraught at his perceived failure, he refused to use magic anymore and cut himself off from his friends over the last six months. At his lowest point, he reconnected with magic, which led him to find his long-lost mom, who had climbed onto the rooftop of an office building to look for him. But meanwhile, many of his friends have made new lives, including the newly reunited family of miniature humans, the sisters Phoebe and Tamar, their parents Dorothy and Michael, and the formerly chocolate Labrador retriever, Fred. In the realm of dragons, Phoebe and Tamar found a singing rubber bass fish that reminded them of the stories they'd heard as children about a superhero fish known as the caped cod. So now, let's catch up with them and experience a different side of the Mooseiverse. Disaster! Kent Codicus, better known as the costume superhero the Caped Cod, stared down at the blank photos in his hands. You mean his fins, said Phoebe. What? Fins. He doesn't have hands, Fred. He's a cod. Yes, that's what I said. Fins. No, Phoebe's right. You said hands, added Tamar. As I was saying... Kent Codicus looked down at the blank photos in his fins and slapped himself on the head. He forgot to take the lens cap off again. His camera had been covered the whole time the Cape Cod fought Spiderpuss. He missed some amazing shots. Spiderpuss, the half-octopus, half-spider, and all-crazy evil scientist, had shot ink and webs at everything in sight in the docks of Wellfleet, and Kent had set up his camera perfectly to capture the Cape Cod looking dashing and heroic as he jumped out of the nearby bay and captured Spiderpuss in a lobster trap, but he'd been in such a rush that he forgot the lens cap. Why didn't he look at the photos before getting to his boss's door? Kent's grandma April couldn't get by without the small amount of money that Kent made from selling photos to the Daily Cape to pay the bills, but with no photos of the Cape caught in action, he had nothing to sell. Hey, how does a fish use a camera anyway? And what's a lens cap? Where are my photos of the caped cod? shouted G. Geronimo Jumpson, editor of the Daily Cape, storming out of his office and crashing into Kent Codicus, who tumbled to the ground and dropped his whole satchel, blank photos and all. Fortunately, Kent's costume wasn't in there. It was under his clothes. Wait, what is he wearing? He's a cod, right? And where is this? Doesn't he live in the ocean? What? No. These are the real adventures of the caped cod. Forget everything you heard when you were kids. We are still kids. Okay, when you were younger kids then. All right, all right. So what happened next? I'm sorry, boss, Kent Codicus said. Sorry, G. Geronimo Jermson shouted back. I mean, besides your everyday existence, what have you got to be sorry for? But just as Kent was about to hand him the blank photos, don't you mean Finn? What? Well, he's a fish. We already said he doesn't have hands, so he can't hand someone something. He'd have to fin it to them. Okay, sure, kid. Whatever. Just as Kent was about to fin him the blank photos, the window of G. Geronimo Germson's office smashed to pieces, and a banana bomb came shooting through the room, landing right in front of G.G.G.'s feet, on top of Kent Codicus's scattered belongings. 
Mr. Jermson, Kent shouted and jumped at him, pushing him out of the way just in time. Behind them, the banana bomb exploded, shooting out squished banana all over the place, covering everyone in the whole open-plan office. Amid the chaos, there came a villain, the Cape Cod's archenemy, the monkey known only as Professor Bananas. I didn't know the Cape Cod had an archenemy. Oh, yeah, he does. You didn't know? He actually has a few. Professor Bananas, Spiderpuss, Diamond Bike, Mr. Void. So wait, what happened next? G. Geronimo Jermson picked himself up and wiped the banana from his face. When the dust settled, he looked over and saw the caped cod, ready to fight with Professor Bananas. Professor Bananas looked back at the caped cod and grunted, Ooh, ooh, ah! Codicus, J. Geronimo Jermson shouted, Where are you, boy? Get your camera. But little did GGG know that Kent Codicus had moved quickly. Before taking off his outer layer to become the caped cod, he'd used some of the squished banana to prop up his camera and set the timer to take a picture every two seconds. He'd get some great shots, as long as he could make sure they both stayed in frame. Hey, bananas, the caped cod shouted. Care to move a little to the right? But Professor Bananas didn't care to move a little to the right and just reached behind him to throw another banana bomb, this time right at the caped cod. Wait, wait, wait. Does he have a bag of bananas? Like a satchel? Or a backpack? Where is he keeping all these banana bombs? Oh, no, no bag. You don't know about Professor Bananas? He just reaches behind his back and plucks a banana out of the air. Anyway, where did that kid go? G. Geronimo Jermson yelled. Calls himself a photographer and then he runs away when there's something to photograph. Wait, he plucks them out of the air? Yeah. Did they come from somewhere? What do you mean? Like, when he plucks a banana out of the air, does the banana disappear from a tree somewhere in the world, or is it just like he turns the air into a banana? Like he's moving the particles around? Oh, I forgot. You kids went to the subatomic world, so now you think you know all about quantum physics, huh? Well, not all about it, but I mean, not to be rude, but we went to the sea of everything, and you are just a dug. Hey, I'm a dog who was able to change my atomic structure, you know. I know more than you think. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, yes, they just come from nowhere. So he could just throw infinite bananas then? Well, one at a time, but I guess so. Does he get to decide how ripe they are? What? No, they're all the same, perfectly ripe. Really? Because you said these ones were all smushy. Are they always smushy? Well, all right, I guess he decides then. But he doesn't seem that smart. Why do you say that? Well, he can't talk, right? Right, but talking isn't the only measure of intelligence, you know? Okay, so then he creates them? Um, yeah. Are you sure about that? Well, I guess maybe we'll find out. Maybe listen to the story? Okay, sorry. Yeah, sorry. So... G. Geronimo Jemson was still looking all over the place for Ken Codicus. Kid, get back here and take some darn pictures. Meanwhile, Professor Bananas yelled at the Cape Cod, Ooh, ah, 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 and gestured wildly. What's that you say, Prof? You've taken Alvin and the people inside? Who's Alvin, and how are there people inside him? You don't know about Alvin? Oh, brother, this story isn't going well. Alvin is a small submarine that takes scientists down to the ocean floor for research. They... Research the floor? Yeah. I mean, the floor, right? Right. What's so interesting about the floor? 
It's a floor. Look, never mind that. The point is that Professor Bananas has captured the submarine. And what's he going to do with it? Ugh, I'm starting to lose patience with you two. Look, just listen to the story. Okay, so... Ooh, ah, 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 Professor Bananas replied. You're going to take it past the Cape Cod National Seashore and all the way around to P-Town to crash into the ferry port so no one can ever take the ferry to Cape Cod from Boston ever again? Wow, that's a slow and convoluted plan to erode the economic health of Cape Cod, Banani, but hey, you do you. Well, I mean, you do you. Well, I mean, you do you and I'll do me, which is stopping you from doing you. And with that, the Cape Cod launched himself at Professor Bananas, who threw banana after banana after banana back. The Cape Cod thwacked each one out of the way with his fins before flipping his whole body around and whacking Professor Bananas with his tail, making sure to time it just right so the camera clicked and got a great shot. He was a professional, after all. He even put his arms, sorry, fins, around Professor Bananas' head and held his mouth in a smile while he smiled himself so they both have a great pose for the camera. Where is that darn kid? G. Geronimo Jameson shouted again. Has anyone seen him? I saw him, Gigi. I mean, sir, said the Cape Cod. He just took some great pictures of the fight. He must have gone to develop them. I didn't ask you, troublemaker. Get out of here. You're worse than that bananas fellow. If not for you, we wouldn't even have supervillains on Cape Cod. Get out of my building. I mean, I just kind of saved your life, the Cape Cod replied, hanging his head low. All he did was spray banana everywhere, but look at the mess you've made. The only mess the Cape Cod could see was banana everywhere, but he knew this was one battle he wasn't going to win. So he grabbed his camera and satchel, and using his super strength, he carried Professor Bananas out the window. Wait, can he fly? And then he remembered he couldn't fly, and so he turned around and carried Professor Bananas through the office and into the elevator and went down to the ground floor. It's off to prison for you, Professor Bananas. Wah! Oh, right, well, yes, you'll have a trial first and be convicted by your peers. Well, no, it'll be a fair trial, but you are guilty, so you'll be convicted. Well, yeah, okay, you're innocent until proven guilty, but I know you're guilty because you just attacked us. Oh, right, the thing with Alvin the submarine. Thank you for reminding me. Okay, I'll stop that first, and then you'll have a trial. Well, maybe jail first, and then find some lawyers, and it might actually be months before your trial, maybe even years, but eventually, a trial. Hey, Fred, how long is this story? Because I'm kind of tired. What? But you're not enjoying it? Oh, yeah, it's awesome, but I mean, is this it? Fred sniffed at Phoebe and Tamar snuggled against him in the low evening sun of summer in Cambridge. Phoebe had been the one to ask. Tamar looked like she'd already dozed off against the formerly singing rubber bass fish they now took with them everywhere, whom they had named the Cape Cod after their favorite character. Well, I guess I can finish it another time. No, finish it now, but maybe you can do it on our way home, right, sis? Phoebe elbowed Tamar, who sleepily added, Yeah, yeah, do that thing she just said. Okay, girls, come on then. Fred nudged them to climb on his back. Tamar woke up enough to get on, but then instantly nestled her head into Fred's fur. Finish it, finish it, Phoebe commanded, as Fred picked up the rubber bass fish to flick over onto his back. Phoebe held it steady as they began the walk back to the family home. Okay, kid.
The Cape Cod had Professor Bananas in cuffs and led him to the waterfront nearby. But how would he get him all the way to where Alvin was? The Daily Cape headquarters was in Hyannis, so now they had to go all the way to Falmouth. Wait, wait, wait. We don't know Cape Cod geography at all. Oh, never mind. Basically, they're like 20-something miles away. But then the Cape Cod realized the captured Alvin would have to go past them to get to P-Town. They could intercept it, except what if... No, Alvin's already gone past here. It's already past Chatham and it's on its way to East Ham. We don't know Cape Cod geography, remember? Doesn't matter. How would they ever catch up? But then the Cape Cod had a great idea. With Professor Banana's hands and cuffs behind his back, the Cape Cod flicked them to get... A banana. Holding on tightly to Professor Bananas, he threw the banana with all his might in the direction of East Ham, and just as he let go, he grabbed hold of it again, and the banana pulled them through the air at the supersonic speed of a flying banana. That's not how physics works at all. This story is nonsense. What? How can you say that? That's exactly how it happened. I don't believe that. You're making it up. I am not. So how did it end? Because, you know, we're home. Well, okay, quickly then. They chased Alvin all the way around Cape Cod and arrived in the nick of time at Provincetown right as Alvin was about to hit the ferry port. Fortunately, Kent thought quickly and set up his camera to get some amazing shots of the Cape Cod pushing Alvin out of the way and lifting it out of the water onto the dock. The mayor of Cape Cod instantly awarded the Cape Cod a Medal of Honor. G. Geronimo Germson showed up, and once the Cape Cod changed back into Kent's clothes, GGG was so impressed by the photos he paid three times the usual amount. Kent had enough money to pay his grandma April's bills and finally have enough money to ask out the girl he'd had a crush on for years, Amy June Whitson, who happened to be standing right there. Amy June turned him down, though, because she was an independent woman who wasn't impressed by money and didn't generally ascribe to the patriarchal system of being asked out by a guy anyway. Kent respected this and felt that he'd had a pretty good day all around, except something was wrong. He looked around and realized Professor Bananas had thrown his own banana and escaped. Hmm... Phoebe said skeptically. That was pretty good. Tamar stirred, opened her eyes a little, and sat up, saying, Cape Cod doesn't have a mayor. It's called Barnstable County, and it's got a regional government with a board of commissioners and a county administrator. Phoebe's eyes opened wide. She wasn't sure how to take in the fact that her sister knew all this. Neither was Fred. Tamar could tell. What, she said. Look, if you're going to tell stories based on Cape Cod, don't think I won't do some research. And besides, the Medal of Honor is a military thing. If anything, he'd get a Medal of Valor. But I'm guessing the Cape Cod isn't an official public safety officer, so he probably wouldn't be eligible for that either. It's more likely they'd think he had something to do with it all and arrest him for taking Alvin, to be honest. Uh, anyway, Fred responded, not sure what else to say. We're home. He lowered himself to let the sisters off his back. The rubber fish fell off too, and Fred carried it in his mouth as they all went through the entrance. Dorothy and Michael welcomed them home, the home they had made since returning from Maine, their first home as a full family in 11 years. A burrow large enough for Fred to live with them all, and connected by an elaborate tunnel system to the thriving metropolis of Little Didcot. Their friend Mr. Toucan had made a home in the trees nearby, a rather unusual sight for Cambridge, Massachusetts, but no one seemed to notice. They were all too preoccupied by their phones. It was only just dark outside, but the sisters and the whole family were ready for a good night of sleep. But that plan was not to be, for the next thing they knew, they weren't in their home anymore. They were engulfed in an orange glow, and then they were entirely in the dark. 
but in much warmer air, and the smell of trees and vegetation they didn't recognize. And they heard noises around them, noises they did recognize, including a moose. To be continued. Thanks so much for listening. As always, we'd love to hear your stories. Tell us a story about the Cape Cod, or Phoebe and Tamar. Send us your stories about any of these characters or any others you think would fit in the Mooseverse. You can record a story yourself on audio or video or write it, or even send in pictures. We'll include some on our website, mooseverse.com, and we may even include a snippet on future episodes of the podcast. Find out about our upcoming StoryLab online writing classes for kids at mooseverse.com. Mooseverse.com is also where you can sign up for our newsletter, find downloadable coloring pages, and more. As always, we're looking forward to reading your stories. After all, the stories we tell and the stories you tell are all part of the Mooseverse. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>